0: Driving west into the sun in its afternoon blaze down sunset to Pacific Coast Highway, Sarah Nash had the disconcerting feeling that there was someone after her. Paranoia had been one of the side effects of publishing the book. Writing had been an incredible high for her, finding out she had the talent to survive independent of the people she vilified. Taking them on, she had known full well she was closing doors. But she had nothing to lose. The doors had already been slammed shut. That she'd had to turn to Norman, in addition to everybody else, when she really liked him, was something she didn't allow herself to think about. She'd had to hide out, quite literally, for a time after she'd become a bestseller. A lot of people would gladly have given her the same chance as her title, a snowflake in hell. She had lived in secluded five-star hotels in Europe, Australia, Asia, registered under aliases, Bathed in luxury, but drying off with eczema on her skin, little pimples of anxiety, fear that someone might find her. The process server did. The suit from Norman Jessop, though she had expected it in a way, still came as a terrible shock. She had thought his shame would be greater than her guilt, that he wouldn't want to draw more attention to Snowflake, already a sensation, She imagined his attorney would tell him not to press the issue of libel, since all she had to do to win was prove his homosexuality. She'd been right about that. He didn't sue for libel. He sued her for breach of contract and fraud. They had been close friends, or at least as close friends as a woman could be with a faggot, which she uncharitably considered him now. He had told her everything about everybody, including who was into bestiality some of the information truly blew her away, as jaded as she thought she was. From her wildest forays into pornography, usually whipped through while mellow with free-based cocaine, she had known about women who smeared their vaginas with beef extract and then let their lapdogs at it, shepherds with their sheep, Catherine the Great purportedly dying when the horse she was fucking fell on her. But never had she imagined men having animals up their asses and the poet thought custom could not stale the infinite variety of Cleopatra. All of it, Norman told her with the express understanding, she would shield him as the source and reveal nothing about Jessop himself. But her publisher insisted the book needed jazzing up, that she had to come up with one or two even bigger names than the hundred she'd already dropped and grounded into the earth. So she went back on her word, allegedly, her lawyer had drilled the word into her, betraying Norman, giving him up as Judas allegedly had, making her allegedly Faustian bargain. He took her to court. He had gotten the best trial lawyer in Hollywood through Fletcher McCallum. She found one in Santa Monica where, in spite of the proximity to the motion picture industry, reality still abounded. Hers had used various legal ploys that put the trial on delay. The court calendars were full. After some stomach-churning years where she'd broken into a sweat at the sound of her doorbell for fear it was another subpoena, they went to court. She remembered it all too clearly. By the time the verdict came in, even those who had little or no interest in the law, or that star-spangled phrase, freedom of the press, were riveted. The case had everything—sex, scandal, a powerful protagonist, a patently brilliant woman— she had proved it to the bastards, and in print, as well as drama's most captivating elements, fury and revenge. Jessop V. Nash seemed less a breach of contract suit than breach of promise. He was like a lover scorned. She betrayed me, Norman Jessop said, not for the first time, even as Sarah's lawyer rolled his eyes heavenward so the jury could see he was about as fed up with the refrain as they had to be. Oliver Crowley, the defense attorney, was a tall, fair-skinned man with wheat-colored hair and eyes so light it was surprising the darkness they could give off when they flashed with contempt, as they did now. But he was careful to make sure his back was to the judge. Please answer the question. I don't remember what it was, said Jessop. I don't wonder, murmured Crowley, so low that the judge might not hear his disdain. Objection said William Arnold, the plaintiff's lawyer, older by decades than his adversary, but no less energetic. Well, if your client would stop making speeches...